Okay. So we're on Mem Zayn Amud Aleph, close to the top of the page. Um, it says we talk. We're going to talk a little bit about derech eretz at a meal, like how to how to behave at a meal. We discussed it in the last Amud, and also like derech eretz in letting people into a room. And we discussed with the mezuzah. Do you uh, is do you have to let somebody in first? Is it with any type of doorway, or is it only um, a mezuzah? So it says like this. Now we're going to go into a little bit more about etiquette at a meal. Um, the people at the meal aren't permitted to eat anything until the one who breaks bread has tasted. You know, this is something South Africans actually don't, aren't very careful of, at least in my experience. And that is like, you know, you get your food, you sit down, and you start eating straight away. I don't know if you've noticed that. Whereas in other countries, I find they like wait for the host to start eating. So this Gomorrah actually, and this is referring to like, you've got a meal, you're all vast, you wait to have bread. Um, and it says that the people who are eating at the meal, they're not permitted to eat anything, let om to to sorry to eat anything until the botsaya, until the one that's broken the bread has eaten. That's derech eretz to let the person who's making hamotzi he must eat first before everyone else. And that's actually halacha on a Friday night and Shabbos lunch, where you should you should eat first as the one who breaks the bread, and then other people can. Although if each person has their own bread at their own spot, then they can eat uh, without you, by the way, um, saying hamotzi. So that's just an interesting thing. So maybe that's where South Africans get it from, because, you know, once you've got your own food in front of your plate, then you can start eating. Um, okay. Yativ Rav Safra, Rav Safra sat, the Ka'amar lit om itmar. He says... It, it was that not that they may not eat, but rather they may not taste. Okay, so the one says they may not eat, person may not eat until the host has eaten, has tasted, or another say he, one mustn't taste until the host has eaten. So the Gemara says, What's the practical difference whether the host, whether people eat or taste? So it says, Adam Lomar Rabo. So it's amazing. There's no practical difference whether the Gomorrah said taste or eat. The, the reason why he corrected it is he wanted to say the words, he wanted to correctly say the words of his teacher exactly. And his teacher didn't say lechol, they rather said litom, to taste. So that's just an interesting thing. Uh, so there's no halakhic difference between tasting and eating in this context, but the person who stated the halacha wanted to state it exactly. Okay, Tanarabonin, Arabas teach us, Shnaim, if, if uh, two people are eating at a buffet dish, right, they're all sharing now, you know, if you've been to a Middle Eastern restaurant, especially in Israel, they bring you, they give out some pitot, and then there's all salatim and hummus and everything in the middle. So you're busy sharing like from a, almost like a table platter. Um, and so here, if there are two people eating from one uh, dish, 
um, and the one gets up to, um, to go to the bathroom, whatever it is, uh, they should wait for each other until the one comes back to start to continue the meal. Shloisha though, if it's three people, then they don't have to wait for each, for each other. If the one guy leaves, uh, they don't have to wait for the other guy to come back, they can keep on eating. The one who breaks bread, he stretches out his hand first to take from the bread or from the meal, so meaning he's the one that should eat first. But he is allowed to offer honor to his rabbi or somebody who's greater than him in stature. He's permitted to, meaning it doesn't, he doesn't have to eat first. He's allowed to give the honor to someone else. Um, and remember, I think we mentioned that the reason why the host is the one that should break the bread is because he's going to be generous because he know it's, it's his meal. So therefore, even though he may not be the greatest person there in stature, he's going to be the most generous. And that trumps almost honor. Rabbi Barbar Khanna have a lebrai by Rav Shmu bar Rav Katina. So Rav Barbachana, he was involved in the marriage of his son in the house of Rav Shmu bar Rav Katina. So he basically married off his son to the daughter of Rav Shmu, the son of Rav Katina. And, yeah. and there, there was a, um, there was a, uh, a minhag that the Khatan, the groom, he would say Hamotzi for everybody, not the grandfather, interestingly. Um, you know, not the older man, or my, in my case, my, my uncle from Australia, he said Hamotzi for everybody at our wedding. But in those days, the Menag was for the Khatan. It was his meal almost. So he, before he sat, before he made Hamotzi, so his father taught him a bit of Derech Eretz when it comes to Hamotzi. He says, Kadim Vitev. Um, he first sat down and taught his son and he taught his son the one who breaks bread is not permitted to break the bread until the person who until everybody has finished saying Amen meaning don't start finish the brocha and only then break the bread and what is considered finishing the bracha when everybody in the meal has finished saying Amen? Rav Chista Amar, and that's what he was telling his son to do. Don't break the bread until you've heard everybody finish Amen. Rav Chista Amar, Mipi Roiv Ha'oinim. So Rav Chista says, no, it's not everybody needs to finish Amen, it's most of the people need to finish Amen. So Amalei Rami Barbarachama, Maishna Ruba, what's the difference that you say? that um, it has to be most. Dakati lokulia bracha. Why? Not everybody's finished the bracha. So that they, meaning them saying the bracha is saying amen to the bracha. But they have, those people that haven't finished amen haven't finished the bracha. So why? It doesn't make sense. Mi'utan nami lokalia bracha. So to the, the minority, they also haven't finished the bracha. So what benefit is there so it makes sense that you have to wait till everybody finishes Amen to break the bread. Um, because by you, by their same Amen, it's as if they sang the bracha and you meant to say the bracha over a full piece of bread. So 
how would it help if most of the people have finished Amen? Uh, then there's the minority that are saying Amen after, uh, without, with, on broken bread. So Amalai, Sha'ani Amen, no, this is what I meant. Sha'ani Omer, Kol Ha'oine Amen, Yoter Midai. If somebody, it's not about most of the people who have said Amen, it's about when most, when you, when those people that are continuing saying Amen for too long, those people you don't have to wait for because because they are making a mistake. So basically you only have to wait for the people that are saying Amen properly. Um, uh, now, extending Amen will, is not so good because you're not going to pronounce it properly. And now we're going to get into a little bit of Alachot of saying Amen. Okay, so we had a little bit of Derech Eretz about the host breaking the bread and eating first. And now we're going to go into a little bit about saying Amen. So it says like this, Tan Rabbonin, our rabbis taught, Ein Oinim Lo Amen Chatufa, you mustn't say an Amen that is hurried. You should say it carefully. So, Chatufa um, is, a, Rashi explains, it's like saying Amen. Amen. Not Amen, not with the, with the comets, but Amen with the Shva, like the two dots. At the two, so it's Amen. So you're saying it in a very rushed way and you're not saying it properly. The law Amen Chatufa. And you mustn't have a cut off. Amen, um, like saying Amen, without saying Amen. So you haven't said the Nun properly, you have to say it properly. Velo Amen Yatoma, and you mustn't say an Amen Yatoma, an orphaned Amen. Which means you're just saying an Amen without it being connected to the Brocha. You, you don't say a random Amen. Um, uh, interesting, when a child says Amen, a little child, and they're not saying a proper Brocha, you shouldn't actually say Amen apparently to their brocha because that's called an Amen Yatoma. Because since it's not a proper brocha, your Amen isn't a proper Amen. So I was once at somebody's house and they go, Amen. They like cut off their Amen. So their child didn't realize it, but they, were, they weren't saying an Amen Yatoma. I haven't looked into that halacha, but the people that I was at lunch with were great educators are great educators and that's I, I mean I'm, they looked into it so interesting that's an Amen Yatoma where you say Amen without connecting to a brocha you mustn't say a brocha throw a brocha out of your mouth which means you shouldn't uh, say it as if you're interested in getting it overdone quickly which is something we can I'm sure all learn from in saying it properly Ben Azza Omer, Ben Azza says, Kola anybody that says an orphaned Amen, you banav yotoimim. His, his sons will be orphans, measure for measure. Oh, kavalt. Chatufa, if you say an Amen, if a person says an Amen Chatufa, which is a, like a, a, an Amen which is cut off, like a quick Amen, Amen, without an Amen, but an Amen. Yitchatfu yamav, um, your uh, your days. If you if you say like a hurried amen, your days will hurry, be snatched away. Like uh, will be, so you're going to lose out on your days. Ketufa. If you say a curtailed amen, you can imagine yitchatfu yamav. Your days will be cut off as well. V'chol amarich ba'amen, and anybody that 
extends with an Amen. Now, it doesn't mean you say it for too long that you are saying it wrong, but rather you say it properly. Marichin lo yama vushnotav. Hashem extends, extends his days and years. Um, that uh, basically there's a tremendous connection between saying Amen, which is basically agreeing to what was said, and in that merit, uh, with the effect of saying Amen affects how long you live and I guess the quality of your life. Rav and Shmu were eating a meal together. Atta Rav Shimi Barchia, Rav Shimi Barchia came. So he came down and he sat down and he ate very quickly because he wanted to be part of the Zimun. So he sat down and made a, a, a three people. So he wanted, they'd already started eating and the truth is they seemed to have finished eating. So he wanted to finish with them so he ate very quickly. Amalei Rav, Rav said to him, Ma uh, what's your intention here? It's the Rufi Bahadan to join with us in a Zimun. We already finished eating. So you can't join with our meal if we've already finished. You can't join in our Zimun if we've finished the meal and you've come after. Amalai Shmu. So Shmu said to Rav, If you were to bring me some mushrooms, and a gozel, which is like a, a small pigeon, to Abba, who is Rav, Milo uh, Achlinen, would we not eat it? Meaning, I know, it looks like we finished, but if you give us a bit of dessert or something nice and delicious to eat, we'll, t- we'll eat it. So we're not really finished. So therefore, you, you still can be part of our meal. So that's a very interesting halachic question here, and that is what constitutes finishing the meal. So according to Shmuel, if you would eat more, if somebody brought you something, then you still considered part of the meal. Um, as long as I guess I think we did this elsewhere. As long as I think you didn't do my machronim. Um, so if somebody came and sat with you and ate with you, then you are able to. He is able to join the zimun even if you have finished. As long as you would be willing to have more if something else was brought to you. Tamida de Rav, the students of Rav, have yatve bisudata were sitting in a meal. Al Rav Acha, Rav Acha got up um, when when they when he got up and he entered into the meal. Atta gav, they said Amri. They said Atta Gavra Rabba the Mavarechlan. Oh, now a great man has come in, Rav Acha. He's come in and he can lead the blanching for us. Now the problem was he wasn't at the meal, right? He would only land up coming now into the meal. And, and ending the meal with them. So the, so the Gomorrah comments, um, Rav, Ach, Rav Acha said, Amar lohu mi sabritu de godol mavarech. Do you really hold that the great person makes a brocha, leads the benjim? Ika shebesudata mavarech. No, one of the main people in the meal, i.e. a person who was there from the beginning of the meal, he should lead the benjim and not the person of greater stature. The Hilkata Nalocha is Gadol Mavarech. No, nevertheless, the greatest person benches, or this person of stature, even if he comes at the end. So another halacha, which we just learned about benching. So those are a few halachot about benching, which we've just mentioned. Very interesting about saying Amen, 
and about who should lead the benching. Now, a while ago, we, uh, we learned the Mishnah, and the Mishnah was talking about the types of food that if one eats, that you can be part of the Zimun. So the Gomorrah says, if a person eats Demai, they can be part of a Zimun. Now what's Demai? Demai is produce that is unsure whether you have taken tithes on it. And the, if we as people, people shouldn't eat Demai, they have to take tithes from it in case it wasn't taken. But poor people are allowed to eat Demai. Um, because it's a suffix, it's unsure, and we can be makil. So if somebody eats demai, you're allowed to be part of zimun. Ha lo But but the Gemara says, but for regular people, it's not fitting to eat demai. So how can you make a zimun on food that you weren't allowed to eat? It's a good question, right? Meaning you don't make a zimun on treif, God forbid. You don't make brochas on treif food according to the Rambam. And that's how we pass it, to my knowledge. So, so you're saying, but you're eating something you shouldn't eat. So how can you say a zimun on it? So he says, Kaven de boy mafka lehu ani Sure. You know how it's possible? Because everybody, in some way, can be fitting to eat a mai, because he can make ownerless all his possessions, and therefore he can become poor, and the poor person doesn't have to be strict when it comes to demai. And that's why, because he has the potential to eat demai, he can be in the zimun uh, if he did eat demai, even though it shouldn't have, he shouldn't have eaten it. The Tanana says in the Mishnah, You feed poor people and soldiers who are in town, who you, the populace of that city are meant to feed them. You're allowed to feed them demai, because since they are traveling and fighting, they considered like paupers. Vama Ravuna Tana Baishama Ravuna adds that Baishama taught Oimrim Ain Machinimetanim Betachsana Dema. You aren't allowed to feed um, uh, poor people and um, uh, visiting soldiers Demai. So it's Machloket Bethilo Baishamai. Bethilo says you can. Baishamai says you can't. And we hold like Baishamai that you can. And that's why you're allowed to be part of a zimun even if you ate demai. Okay. Ma, another thing in the Mishnah said, if you eat ma'ase rishon, shenitla uh, trumato. Ma'ase rishon is a tithe that is given to a levy, and the levy takes a tithe from that produce called trumat ma'ase and gives it to the kohen. Okay. So pshita. So the Gemara says, what's wrong with that food? It's very good. The Levi gets this produce, and he's taken tithes from it. It says, Master Rishon, where the tithe has been taken. Excellent. That's brilliant. Uh, why shouldn't he, why, what's the Kiddush that he, he can bench over such food and be part of his imun? So, Lord Shecha, Elashegdimu Beshibalim. No, what's the case? The Levi went to the field and took his tithe that was due to him when it was in its sheaves, when it was in its stalks, like it hadn't been threshed and made into grain yet. And the owner of the farm, the farmer gave to him while it was still in the field his tithe. But the halacha is, but the, the tithe that's given to the Kohen 
hadn't been given yet. So you might think that this lady who receives a tithe, he not only has to take from his own tithe to give to the coin, but he has to take extra to cover the gift that the farmer was meant to give to the coin. Because remember, he's taking a tithe of the produce, so it's relative. If he took, if, if the owner of the field didn't take Trimagadola, which is for the coin, then the levy took a little bit more relative. So he should give to the coin two amounts, the Trimagadola that wasn't taken and the Trimadmase that he had to take. Abahu, and like Rabbi Abahu. The Amma, Rabbi Abahu, as Rabbi Abahu says, Amaresh Lakish, um, so this is the case where you might think that he can't be part of the zimun, but nevertheless he can. Because and it's like what Rabbi Abahu said, Amaresh Lakish, Rishon If a lady comes and goes to the field, and the owner of the field gives him his tithe while the field, while the, before it's been processed into grain, He's exempt from Trumagadoila, which is the main tithe given to the Kohen. Shneemar, how do, how do we know that he's exempt? Shneemar, vaharimotam mimenu trumat Hashem maser mina maser. And you must raise from it. What must the lady do? He must raise from what was given to him a tithe from a tithe. Right? He was given a tithe, then he has to give a tithe to the coin called trumat maser. Hashem says, I said to you, I'm, you must give a tithe from a tithe. But not two tithes from the tithe that you were given. Not trumagadola, which is what the owner of the field should have given. And trumat mase, the tithe that the lady gives the coin. I only have to give one tithe. Now, very important for the next Amud. This is only when... The lady gets it from the field and not from the gran from the granary. Okay, so I'm um, a uh, Rav Papa. Rav Papa says Labaya to Ihachi. If this is so, that you the lady when he takes it from the field, he doesn't have to give two tithes to the kohanim. nami. Then even if he goes to a the pile of grain. He also doesn't, he shouldn't have to give two tithes, right? Why is it only when he goes to the field that he doesn't have to give two tithes? But if he takes the tithe from once it's been processed, so, so then he does have to take uh, two tithes. So, so he says to him, Abai says to Rapapa, I will say to you what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says, Mikomasotechem, Tarimu, that you must give from all your tithes. That seems to be ex- 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 inclusatory. It's saying you must give, the lady must give from all his tithes, which could be Trumagadola and Trumagmase, because Trumagadola hadn't been taken. So now we've got a problem here, because the one Pasuk suggests that a lady needs to take two tithes. From the from the produce uh, and give it to the kohen, um, uh, two tithes from. But the first pasuk said he only has to give one. So how do we? How can we have two psukim that seem to contradict each other? 
So Marita, hi. So why do you why do you learn that this one call is saying you must give once it's been processed and you must give two tithes to the coin, whereas the first pasuk about the sheaves you only give to the one coin. Hi adgan bahalo adgan. The difference is is that the one's been processed into grain and the other one hasn't. And once it's been processed into grain, that is when you um that is when you um that's when the pasuk says from all your tithes then you have to give to the coin twice that if the first tithe wasn't taken you have to take again from your produce okay at the gomorrah continued the mission continued master shiny if you eat master shiny the hector shiniftu um or something that's holy that's been dedicated to the temple but it's been redeemed so now it's edible, you can eat it. Either not in, not in Jerusalem or it's not holy. Pshitta. Why shouldn't you be able to eat it? Like, uh, what's wrong with it? Um, uh, so it's hachabamah skin. What are we dealing with here? Kugon shinatanet akern velonatanet achomesh. The aloha is where you gave the main amount, the keren, which is you, um, you, 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 if you want to redeem something that's holy, you have to pay the amount in coinage plus you have to add a fifth of the final amount so you have to basically add a quarter to the original amount and then it's redeemed so in this case you gave the karen you redeemed the produce but you haven't given the additional fifth and this mission is teaching us that even though you haven't given the additional fit, which you have to do, nevertheless, you can still eat it because its holiness has been redeemed. And that's what the Mishnah is telling you, that that's why you can be part of a Zimun, even though you haven't completed the redemption process. The Mishnah continued, A shamas, a waiter, if he eats a kazait of food while he's waiting you at the table, he can join in the Zimun. Mishnah asks, the Gemara says, Pshita, why wouldn't he be able to eat a kazayat? So Maudetam, what would you have said? Shemesh lo kava. A waiter, since he doesn't sit down at the meal, he's not fixed. And in order to be part of the zimun, you have to be fixed. Kamash malan, therefore a shamas, his job is to be walking around. Therefore that is fixed for him. But if it was a guest, and the guest isn't sitting at the table with the rest of the people, then he actually can't be part of the zimun because he's not koveya, he's not fi- fixed. Um, but a waiter who's meant to be moving around, he can. Okay, the Mishnah said, Vakuti It's incredible this. A kuti who was who we hold was like basically a non-Jew. It was the, this uh, a tribe that kind of tricked us into convert into allowing them to live. And they converted. They converted to Judaism, but we their conversion was very suspect. And it's and they were known as kutim. So it says that they can be part of a zimun, which is incredible because we hold them like non-Jews. So why would you be able? To, why would they be able to be part of a zimun? So the Gemara asks, Am I lo el amaret? If an, an amaret is, is an ignoramus, and an ignoramus cannot be included in a zimun, by the way, so. Um, uh, if an ignoramus, and we're going to get to a definition of an ignoramus, an amaretz, if he can't be part of a zimun with, with Torah scholars, they can make a zimun on their own, three amaretzim, but with Torah scholars they can't. 
If you can't join an, uh, with an Amaritzism, well, how can you join with a Kuti, who's questionably Jewish? Doesn't make sense. Vatanya says in a brighter, Ein mezamim al Amaritz. You don't make a Zimun with an Amaritz. Abaya Amar, so that's the question. Amar, Amar, Abaya Amar, Abaya answers, Bukuti Chaver. With a Kuti, this questionable person, he's a Chaver though, he's a Tamil Chochem. So he keeps the halacha, this kuti, and that's why you're allowed to do, uh, you're allowed to make zimun. Not only that, a rova amar afilu taima, you can actually even say, bakuti ama aretz, even not a tamil chokham kuti, but a regular kuti, you can make a zimun. Vahacha what are we dealing with here? Bamaiskinen, hacha ba ama aretz, the we're dealing with a, uh, uh, an Amaaret defined by the rabbis, the Pligi Alei de Rabbi Meir, who argues on Rabbi Meir's definition of Amaaret, Askinen. The Tanya says in the Bryce, Ezo uh, Amaaret, um, what's considered an Amaaret? Kosha and Oichov Chulin Batara. Very, very high level, the Rabbi Meir. It's of a person who doesn't eat mundane food, like not holy food, he doesn't even eat holy food, he eats, he eats non-holy food, non-impurity. That's considered an Amaaretz. So, I mean, the, uh, a non-Amaaretz uh, is incredibly on a very, very high level. Do you understand? So, meaning, you don't, you're allowed to eat uh, non-holy produce in a state of tumor, but this this uh, Rabbi Meir, Diva Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir holds that, that somebody that doesn't do that is considered an Amaret. So he's like, seriously holds, uh, these guys are basically tzaddikim almost, except they don't do one thing. Vachachem uh, Omrim, the sages say, what's an Amaret? Koshanum Usa Peirotav Kuroi. He doesn't, uh, an Amaret is somebody that doesn't tie their, their fruit properly. And that's why you can't count them in a zimun. Because the food that they're eating, we don't know if it's been tithed or not. Vahani kutai, but these kutayim, these questionably non-Jewish people, asuri masri kadechazi, they tithe their produce. These kutimwa kadechazi kademai because they're very um, scrupulous in matters that are written in the Torah. Similar to like there were these types of Jews that kept everything in the Torah, but not rabbinically. So these kutim were the same. The Bemai, the Katif, the Mizan Zahiri. Those that things that are written in the Torah, they're very careful with. The Amamar, as Mar said, Kol Mitzvah Shehichziku Ba Kutim. That any mitzvah that the kutim do, Harbei Medachtikim Ba Yotem Yisrael. They're even more careful than Jews in doing that mitzvah. Except they pick, you know, they only specifically choose Torah mitzvahs. So and that's why you can cut them in a zimun, because even though they are ma'aretz, they keep these halachas properly, and therefore they do tie their produce, and therefore they can be involved in a zimun. Tanura Bonin, our rabbis taught Eza ma'aretz. Now we're going to get into a bit of a discussion of what is considered an ma'aretz. Eza ma'aretz, kosha aino korekriyachma arvit shachret. Anybody that doesn't read Shema in the eve in the morning, in the evening and in the morning. Diva Rebbe Also quite I mean still, this is the lowest level, but 
there's a lot, unfortunately, there's lots of Jews that uh, don't even do that. By the way, just um, skipping, but we hold that Amaratzim, you, you can do Zimun with an Amaretz. Um, uh, and the reason is, is because it was really, Amaratzim could bench together, but they couldn't, it, it wasn't fitting for Tamarech HaChamim, Torah scholars, to make a Zimun with Amaratzim. Um, but today, we don't have proper, the, the commentary said, we don't have proper Tamarech HaChamim. And therefore, you can uh, bench with an Amaretz. So we, even though we, these are definitions of an Amaretz, and hopefully it will give us chizuk in order to improve ourselves, um, but this, this list is not halakhically defining you are allowed to, uh, to even bring in many of these types of people and make a zimun. Guys, can I ask a favor? Can we rejoin the Zoom quickly just so that we can finish the Amud um, because we are about to run out of time? So I'm going to close it now, and if you wouldn't mind uh, joining the Zoom straight away. Okay. Um, okay, so let's continue. Um, okay, cool. So let's continue. So we're going to have a bit of an interesting list of what's considered an Amaret. So it says an Amaret is somebody that, re- that doesn't read Kriyachma in the morning and in the evening. Diva Rabbi Lezer. Rabbi Anybody that doesn't put on Tfilin. Probably that means daily, but I'm not sure if it's, you know, ever. Ben Azar Omer He doesn't wear tzitzit on his clothing. It doesn't mean he doesn't wear tzitzit, because you're not obligated to wear tzitzit um, if you're not wearing four-corner garments. So just that type of uh, description means somebody who wears four-corner garments, but he doesn't put tzitzit on. Rabbi Natan Omer Alpitcho. Anybody that doesn't put a mezuzah on their house. Rabbi Natan bar Yosef, Omer, he says, Anybody that has children, sons, and doesn't bring them, teach them, uh, raise them to learn Torah. Even those, not only are, you go, are, you, are they learning Torah, but they've learned Torah, the Shana means they've learned Mishnayot, but they haven't served Tamedechachamim, which means they haven't learned Gomorrah. Harezi Amaretz. This is an Amaretz. Amar Rebi Ravuna Halochaka Chayrim. Ravuna says that Lochazlaka Chayrim, who says um, that, he, that any, uh, an Amaretz is somebody that hasn't learned Gomorrah. Quite a very, very high level of Amaretz, of, of people. Rami Barbachama. Um, Rami Barhama. So Rami Barhama, 
Lo azmin alay the Rav Menashe bar Tachlifa. Listen to this. Rami bar Chama, who's, he wasn't introduced as a rabbi, he would not do zimun with Rav Menashe bar Tachlifa. Why? The Tani, because Rav Tachlifa, even though he learned Sifra, the Sifri, the Hilchata, he learned uh, Mishnayot, basically. He learned Midrashe Halakha. Sifra is oral Torah written on the book of Ayikra, called Torah Kohanim. Sifri are oral Torah books written on um, Bamidbar and Dvarim. The Hilchata is other Mishnayot that are just like, you know, the Mishnayot of the oral Torah. So he knew oral Torah, but he didn't learn Gomorrah. So therefore, Rav um, Rami Bar Chama didn't count him in a Zimun because he halachically felt halachas like Achairim and he's an Amaretz. So he can't do Zimun with him. Kinach Nafshe de Rami Bar Chama, when Rami Bar Chama died, Amarova, Rova said about him, Lo Nach Nafshe de Rami Bar Chama, the only reason why he died, Ela de Lao Azmin Arav Menashe Batachlifa. Because he didn't make a zimun with Menashe Bartachlifa. Isn't that astounding, eh? Vahatanya, but it's why he did the right thing. It says the brighter, Achairim Omrim, the others say, Afilu even if he, uh, he was a great, he learned a lot of oral Torah, but he wasn't a time he didn't learn Gomorrah, Harezeyama Aret. So he was right not to include him in a zimun. So it says, Shani, no, Rav Menashe, Rav Menashe may not have learned Gomorrah, but uh, he's different. The Mashma Lahu Rabbonin. He did serve the rabbis. And even though he did, the, the, um, he, did um, he did, he may not have learned Gomorrah, but he, in, he engaged with the rabbis, and that's what Gomorrah is. It's discussing the Mishnayot and analyzing the Mishnayot, and that's what he did, even if he didn't learn Gomorrah. But Rami, Bar Barchama, who the Lord Dak Abatrai, but he didn't, Rami Barchama didn't actually, you know, look into the proper story. So, in truth, Rav, Rav, Rav Menashe Batrachilifa did learn Gomorrah, so to speak, but it was Rav, Rami Barchama didn't look into it properly. Lishnachrin, another explanation of the, the mistake that he did, the Shama Shmatata, the Pumayu Drabonin. Rami ba, uh, Rav Tachlif, Rav Menashe Ba Tachlifa, he did learn the, the, the sugyas, the Torah, from the mouths of the rabbis, the garis lehu, um, and, and he went over them many times and he committed them to memory. Ketuva Marabonadami, he's considered like a rabbinic scholar, even though he didn't learn Gomorrah, he had such a good grasp of the oral Torah that he, was con- he wasn't considered an Amaret. Okay. Now, if a person eats tevel, um, which is for untied produce, umase, or, um, or other, uh, we will see a list of, but these foods are forbidden to eat. So the, and the Mishnah says, if you eat these foods, you can't be included in the zimun. So the Gemara says, tavel pshita, of course you can't make a zimun if you eat tevel. Tevel's an untied produce. Lord Shekha, no, it is needed to teach us this. Why? Um, because it's, it's, it's food that hasn't been tithed, but it's only obligated to be tithed rabbinically. Uh, 
what is the what is the case of um, of uh, of um, of rabbinically tied produce? It's produce. It's produce that has been uh, that, sorry that's been grown in a in like a, a vessel that is not um, that doesn't have holes in. So it's not n- get nourished from the ground. It's just from the pot. Okay. Um, but can I ask you, Rob? I mean, yes, how sir. do you? I mean, I mean, you, you. I mean, I don't know if you're not married or not. I'm saying, like, how do you? <laughs> got, you know, you're going to ask a guy to come sit with you and make a zimmer, you know? No. So we, as I said, we hold that you do include amaratim in your in your zimun today. We include amaratim definitely. We include people that break shabbos and everything. You know, it's we practically aren't on the level to treat amaratim differently. It's not that they on a they on a lower level than they used to be, I think, but we are also on a lower level, so we don't have the the authority or the the status to not bend with them. Okay, yeah. So I mean, I, I've I've actually had this in my family as well, um, uh, and recently I've started saying the benching loud so that the person can say word for word so that he can be included in the zimun. Um, uh, and it also creates much more closeness between people. And if you're not, if you divide, it's you, I saw another aspect to the, in the commentary said, like, we're not there to create more division. Whereas maybe in those days it was more understandable and more, you know, like as you see, this one rabbi didn't include him in the zimun, and he, the one rover says he, that's why he died. So it's not a very good thing to exclude people. Um, uh, okay. Uh, but obviously there's reasons for it. So, um, so it says there that, it, um, so we're talking about produce that, has, that hasn't been tithed, but it's only rabbinically obligated to be tithed. Okay, Master Rishon. This is, Master Rishon was tithes that given to a lady um, uh, that hasn't been tithed. So it says pshita, obviously. Law, obviously it's, it's, it's forbidden to eat. It hasn't been tithed. So no, tshita kagon shekdimu bakri. No, it's, uh, you got you went there early and you you went into the pile of produce and you took the levy took his his tithe um, before it was given to the coin and therefore he has to give to the coin the truma gadola and his own tithe to the truma called truman masse maudatama what would you have said this is exactly what rapopa said to Abaya, that he's saying that why do you, there's one Pasuk says that a koi, the lady does have to take both trimmers, and the other Pasuk says you only have to take one trimmer. Uh, so, Kamash Malan, Kadashani Lay, just as a, uh, a buyer answered Rav Popper that there's a difference between produce from the field and produce that has been processed. Let's quickly do a bit more. Masashani. Um, this is produce. This is produce that has been eaten. That's meant to be eaten in Israel, in Jerusalem, but hasn't hasn't been um, redeemed. Pshita. Uh, well, obviously, it hasn't been redeemed. You're not allowed to eat it. Lord no. It is needed to teach us because you would have thought sheniftu niftu It's been redeemed, but it hasn't been redeemed properly. You might think that such produce you're able to bench over. Kamash Malan, you're not. Masi shiny, gabe asimon. It's it's been redeemed on a coin, but not on a minted coin, like a plain coin. Amar, but that you should uh, 
uh, wrap up the money in your hand and they learn out Kesef Shiyesh Alav Tzura. The money that you meant to use to redeem is money that has a form on it. It's been minted. Hektesh, and another example, Hektesh Shechilulu Ayogabe Karka, or holy uh, dedicated produce that has been dedicated to the temple, and you've redeemed it, but you haven't redeemed it properly. For example, you redeemed it over land, and you meant to redeem it with money. The Torah says, you must redeem it with money, and then it can become yours, and then you take the money, and the money is holy. It says there that the the shamus the sorry the the shamus the the waiter he um hasn't he if he eats less than a kazite he um he can't be part of zimun it's like pshita obviously he can't be be, be part of a, a, a zimun it says here I did the tanaraisha so anachanami that is actually unnecessary to teach I did the tanaraisha kazite since the first part of the mishnah taught that the the shamus ate a kazite. The end part of the Mishnah that teaches the opposite case, but even though it didn't need to. A non-Jew, you don't do Zimun over. Now, it's obviously you don't use a, you don't do Zimun with a Nochri, because he's not Jewish. Wow, how could you include him in a Zimun? Pshita, obviously, what are we doing with here? A convert that has got a Brit Milah, but he hasn't been dipped in a Mikvah. Um, Rabbi Zaira, um, so that in that case he can't. Uh, he, you would think maybe he can be part of a zimun. Nevertheless, Rabbi Zaira, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Laolam Einoger, he's not considered a convert. until he's got a brit milah and he's been toivled. who and as long as he hasn't been toivled, he is considered a non-Jew. Nash. Yeah, yeah, no. Someone in someone in Khairim room as well. Oh, interesting, huh? Uh, somebody in Khairim can they be part of a zimun? Hmm. I, don't I suppose they can't be part of a minion, so can they be part of a zimun? A zimun that we said I think last week is less special than yes. a, a minion, so I don't know if you can ex- extrapolate. Very good question. I don't know. Um. Nashim doesn't list it here, which is a kind of a sign that it's, it might be. Nashim vavodim uktanim, women, slaves, and small kids. Ain mizamilan. This is fascinating, um, uh, especially for kids, our kids who are nearing vomits or just have had a vomit. So listen to this. Ain mizamilan You don't do a zimun with women, slaves, or kids. They can make zimunim on their own, slaves and women, but not kids, obviously. Amaribiyosi, katana mutal barisa, a baby who's in a, who's in a, like a, a cradle. Mizamim you do include him in a zimun, even though he's not answering. But it says, nashim vavodim katanim ain mizamim alayim. The Mishnah says, clearly you can't make a zimun with a katan. Huda amakrib yeshua ben levi, this is, what was said, what Rabbi Shuben Levi said, the Amr Rabbi Shuben Levi, Afapisha Amru Katana Mutabarisa, Ain Mazamin Lab, even though he said that a child that's sitting in a cradle, you don't make a Zimunova, Aval Oisin Oitoi Sniff Lasora, he can be a number 10 in the minion to say Lokainu. We don't Paskin like that. 
but according to this you can. If you've got nine, and an Eved, a non-Jewish slave, mitzdarfin. Then you, if you've got nine and one half, a non-Jewish slave, you can be mitzdarf. Now, a non-Jewish slave was a half-Jewish. He had to keep the mitzvahs of women. And then when you freed him, he became fully Jewish. We've got a kasha on this. We've got a bright, a master. This is a famous story. There was a story with Rabbi Lezer, that Rabbi Lezer entered into a shul. There wasn't a minion there. And he freed his slave. And he became... Ten. Now, if he could have used his non-freed slave, then he could have. He didn't need to free his slave. So, in if he freed him, yes, it worked to make him Jewish and make him part of the minion. Lo if he didn't free him, lo. So the Gemara says, no, the story is a bit. There's more to the story. Try it to Rehu. He they needed. They had eight, and they needed two to make the the minion. He freed the one, and he kept the one. So there were one proper Jew, imagine being the guy who wasn't freed, and the tenth guy he didn't free. And that's the story. So the Gemara says, but how could he do such a thing? How can he free his slave? That if you transgress a positive commandment, if you free your slave. the you shall make them serve for you forever. So it sounds like you shouldn't free your slaves. Uh, I'm not sure why that is, by the way, but that's what the Pasuk is saying. So why did he free his slave? Ledvar mitzvah shani. No, so the Gemara says, no, to do a mitzvah, you're allowed to free your slave. The Gemara says, mitzvah baba averihi. Then you're doing a mitzvah through an avera. You can't do that. You can't transgress an avera in order to get a mitzvah, especially a rabbinic mitzvah, of a minion versus a Torah prohibition of not freeing your slave. So mitzvah the rabim shani. No, the mitzvah of the community is different. In that context, it's not considered a mitzvah bava abaira, and you are allowed to free your slave in order to facilitate um, um, a, uh, um, a public mitzvah. A person should always get up early in order to go to Shulwa. So that you counted as the, the first ten. Because even if a hundred come after you, you receive the reward of them all. Because you were part of the minion. You made the minion. The Gemara says, What, you receive their, all their reward? What about their reward? No. Hashem gives you the reward uh, compared to all of them, because you facilitated the minion, therefore um, you get the, the reward. Okay, we'll stop here. The rest of the Gemara is actually very interesting. It's about who can make a minion. Can Aaron Kodesh make a minion? Can, uh, can uh, you know, like uh, Shabbos, can Shabbos be part of the Zimun? Other interesting things, but we'll stop here. I have to wait till next week, and we'll continue then. Have a great night. Shkaf for joining.